Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, and welcome to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. If any of the stories that we're about to discuss are of interest to you and you'd like to learn more, just head on over to our blog at blog.lgbthealthlink.org and you will find links to all of the stories that we're about to discuss. So let's jump right in with our first story of the week, how HIV status relates to cancer outcomes. A study of a large national database found that cancer patients living with HIV had higher cancer-specific mortality rates with respect to prostate cancer, about 1.65 times higher rate, and breast cancer, with about 1.85 times higher rate. Men living with HIV also reported higher rates of relapse or death with respect to prostate cancer, as did women living with HIV with respect to breast cancer. Obviously, since LGBT people are more likely than others to be living with HIV, this is an important study for those of us working in LGBT health, and it speaks to how HIV remains a really important health complication, even as rates of HIV-related deaths have declined with such improved treatment over the years. The study is especially important for us to understand um, cancer in the LGBT community because the major cancer surveillance systems um, do not uh, currently account for sexual orientation and gender identity. So we've really had a big gap uh, in our knowledge about this area and how cancer impacts the LGBT community, although the research that we do have suggests a disparate impact. So a great study um, and one that kind of helps to fill the gap where we don't have direct information um, at this level for LGBT folks. In our next story, 400 plus facilities get top marks. HRC released its annual healthcare equality index, this year awarding 406 healthcare facilities a top 100 score. That's out of 680 facilities that signed up to participate in the program, which is up from 500 facilities that chose to participate just five years ago. The report assesses the facilities on factors like non-discrimination policies, training, patient and employee supports, and patient and community engagement. On training, for example, the report found that 90% of participating facilities met HRC's training requirement. The 680 participants together logged 94,000 hours of LGBT-related training at their facilities over the last year. Of course, it's important to remember that this is a voluntary program. Facilities don't have to participate when HRC invites them, so the picture is likely not as rosy for those who decided not to participate and get judged. Listeners can go over to our blog if you'd like the link where you can check out the full index and see how the facilities around you in your area are doing. Next up, trans support groups are great for parents too. Researchers found that parents who participated in support groups for families of trans youth received a big benefit. 66.7% of participants said that participating in the group was either important or critically important for their child, but even more parents, 72.9%, said that it was important or critically important for their own well-being that they participated. In contrast, only about 6% of parents said that the group was not particularly important to them. In addition to being a source of emotional support, 
Parents said that they were using these uh, trans support groups to get advice on medical, legal, and school issues that were happening with their child. In our next story, another state moves towards inclusive classes. The Washington Post reported on efforts in Maryland to create LGBT inclusive history education standards, which they say is important not just for LGBT students to see themselves in the material, but also for other students to better understand their classmates. And this way, the curricula can help lead to safer and more inclusive schools. At least four states have recently taken similar steps, although the Post reports that implementation of such standards is often difficult after the state moves ahead in publishing them. Our next story finds challenges for trans men in pregnancy. Out Magazine reported on the challenges that await trans men who become pregnant, including a medical profession that is not always understanding of them and competent in addressing their needs, and situations that can worsen gender dysphoria. While there is not too much data on pregnancy among trans men, experts estimate that 30% of the pregnancies among this population may be unplanned, which really reinforces the need not just for care during pregnancy, but also advice on on managing uh, reproductive health and making decisions to avoid pregnancy if that's what someone wants to do. In our final story, Impact of Opioid Epidemic on HIV. Researchers explored how the opioid epidemic has led to HIV outbreaks in areas that previously had not been particularly affected by HIV, including rural areas. This is uh, really disturbing because these areas are already being hit by the opioid crisis, Uh, They may not be particularly um, knowledgeable about or prepared to deal with HIV, and now they're getting hit with that too. The article proposes several public health strategies that could help reduce HIV risk until the opioid crisis abates, including needle exchange programs and access to PrEP among opioid users. Not much is known about the impact of the opioid epidemic in the LGBT community, but its intersection with HIV might give us some hints as to how LGBT people are likely to be impacted or supported. Well, that just about wraps up this week's edition of the LGBT Wellness Roundup. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, I hope that you'll subscribe so that you can get updates when we have new issues available. And as I said at the top of the podcast, if any of these stories have interested you, if you'd like to learn more, if you'd like to use that Healthcare Equality Index and see how your facility is doing, um, you can head on over to our blog, which is available at blog.lgbthealthlink.org, and you can check out the written version of this week's podcast where we have links to everything that we've discussed. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.